Welcome to the Tea Party Policy Chat Podcast. My name is Scott Harris. I am your constitutional patriot here on the Tea Party Policy Chat. Today we are going to be talking about, um, we have in the headline news segment of the Tea Party Policy Chat, we are going to be dealing with the Durham Report. And... (laughs) um, we're gonna. It's this is an introductory into something that will be a ongoing focus of the of the Tea Party Policy Chat, the Constitutional Patriot Podcast, the Patriot Foreign Policy Podcast, and the Solo Benor Business Patriot Podcast. The Durham Report will be um, highlighted in all of them. So check out the show notes for the scottharristax.com slash links. Um, And you can get links to all of my podcasts and social media. Today on the Tea Party Policy Chat, what I do is I drink tea while I have it because we're having a tea party. And I'm using, um, today I'm drinking the... um, Harney and Sons Fine Teas uh, Tea Blend. It's a boutique in. Um, this is this is basically out of London. This is the Black Cast Bourbon Tea. It's smoky black tea with vanilla and caramel tasting notes. So this I love this tea. I have two of these tins, um, and but then I found out I they sell this exact tea in bulk <laughs> um, instead of having 20 tea bag tins um, I got um, two bags of a hundred so I have a bulk it's the same tea just in bulk so basically I buy them up and fill up the tins um, with the tea and because uh, I buy this in bulk this is such a great tea I go through it like crazy I drink um, the way I, the way I brew it is I have a teapot with dragons and and a phoenix on it. I think it looks really cool. Um, it ha- I put two tea bags in it. I pour it, brew it, and then I drink my tea in one of two mugs. Uh, one is my t- Constitutional Patriot Podcast mug, but the other one is Let's Go Brandon Dr. Seuss. It's a Dr. Seuss mug and has a poem on it. Let's go, Brandon. I do not like your mental haze. I do not like your leftist ways. I do not like your sun on blow. I do not like you, Sleepy Joe. And I saw this on Facebook, and I had to have it. I spent $35 for a mug. (sighs) Okay, so we're... (laughs) So there's that. And so what today is, today is I have... I have um, the, this, the main part of the show. I have two videos that I want to get to, um, but there's, I have some um, stuff I want to do um, beforehand. It is uh, <laughs> Survey Day um, and National Review um, Take 5. Uh, so, and then I want to get to the Durham videos on that. If not, look forward to that in the next episode of the Tea Party Policy Chat. Uh, so I have one, two, I have three surveys. I'm behind schedule on these surveys. Some of these are kind of older. Um, I have two different ones from the Republicans. Uh, they might be the same one. I don't know. I'd have to double check. Uh, 
And then I have one from um, the Heritage Foundation. We're going to do the Heritage Foundation one first. Um, for those of you who don't know, I love to do these surveys. And the reason for that is there is a philosophical core, um, basically an underlying political policy question um, and issue that the survey is trying to get to. Okay, so what I do is I take the survey question and I analyze it philosophically. I analyze it historically in a historical, what is the, first of all, what is the policy, what is the issue that the question is trying to get to? What is the core reason that this question exists? Then I take, I take that core issue and then I analyze it philosophically in a historical context and an economic context and how that economic context directly relates to small business and business owners. Okay, and thus relating to employees, labor, the general economy as a whole. Okay, so, the, so what, what a lot of, one of my pet peeves basically gets my goat um, is, 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 I don't know where that came from, but it's, it's the same. One of my pet peeves is, is business owners who basically, well, I don't, I, I don't get involved in politics. Well, guess what? Congratulations, you're a business owner. Therefore, you are involved in politics. And if you are not involved in politics as a business owner, then my viewpoint is that you're not a very smart businessman, okay? Because business is politics, and politics is business. And I can't talk in poor tea at the same time. <laughs> Let me wipe that up here. I'm dribbled on my desk. I don't want it to... Okay. There we go. Okay. Can't talk in poor tea at the same time. Okay lesson learned okay so so that's so that's the issue if you are a businessman who basically ignores pol political policy right you ignore social politics you you basically oh it's about democrats and republicans are the same thing uh, that pisses me off democrats and republicans are not the same thing nowhere near they're like 180 degrees polar opposites if you think that Republicans and Democrats are the same thing, you have no understanding of politics, you have no understanding of reality, and you are basically f filtering events through a social context of pro-socialism and probably green alternative anarchism, okay, as a social anarchist. Because there is, see... One of the things that, you know, you see all these people, what I find absolutely hilarious, all these people that are protesting the WTO, the World Trade Organization, whenever they have the World Trade Organization meetings, all, anywhere in the world, there's all these protesters that come from all over the world to protest, and they have riots, and they all have these anarch signs everywhere, right? But when you talk to them, right, they're all basically wanting communist totalitarian regulations on business and, and 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 people's lives do they do they not understand the different what anarchism is what is the philosophical construct of, of of anarchism the philosophical construct there's two branches of anarchism there is 
there is total individual anarchism and a social context um, anarchism, right? Where basically, I want you to imagine, but, but the fundamental structure, okay, on the individual anarchism is that each person is in itself the same as a nation state. Right, you as an individual are a nation state. You, ha you as an individual, have the same powers as a nation state has. Right, if you want to go to war with someone, you have that. You have that right to go to war, and no one can say otherwise. There is no government that can tell you what you can and can't do. Okay, that's that. That's basically pure anarchism. Okay, there is a social contract version of anarchism where basically everybody is a nation state, okay, but they group together in a society, right, sort of like NATO, where they work together and form a treaty where basically all the members of this, of this treaty are equals and they have basically rules that they agree upon how they will act in society. Okay? So that would be like a UN charter. Okay? Um, and that kind of thing. But actions against the individual people are not whether well, you can't lock them up. What you can do is you do sanctions like the UN does. So that's... <laughs> That's, you know, or you or basically you can team up with other individuals and form an alliance and go after somebody like NATO does. And so, I mean, there's all these things. There is no law enforcement. There is. So basically everybody has to form a little alliances and form a little agreements and form a little military. So that, that's that's the social contract version of of. You know, I'm I'm boiling these philosophical constructs down to a few sentences, but the, it's the general gist. Okay, so so this is the, the these are the things, but none of those two philosophical um, concepts are anything related to what goes out on those those people that protested the WTO. Right now, why did I get off on this tangent? Well, because is having an understanding of the philosophical issues that a, a, that a policy or an event has as its core can give you a greater understanding of what actually is going on. Okay? So that's... the And it, and it was an interesting story. I hope you learned something. Okay, we're moving on. Okay. <laughs> okay, so this is the 2023 tax increase ballot from the Heritage Foundation. Now, when this was sent to me, it was sent in an envelope, and in the envelope was the return was the return envelope, and but this ballot was in a separate envelope that was sealed. And it said to only to be opened by Scott Harris, right? As a security measure. Okay, so this is this ballot is only to be filled out by me. It's not to feel, be filled out by anybody else. Okay, that's that's the rule. Okay, so the first question: In general, what do you think about the current tax rates imposed by the federal government? The first choice is: I think the tax taxes are too high. 
The second choice, I believe current tax rates are too low. The third choice, current tax rates are about right and should not be raised or lowered. And the fourth one is not sure, no opinion. <laughs> okay. Okay, here's the thing. Everybody has an opinion on taxes. Okay, so... <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, basically, maybe Gen Zers, you know, or people who basically don't even know what taxes are or that you even have to file taxes, those people. Complete ignorant fools, okay? Gen Zers, millennials, okay? Might fall into that category. Um, if you think taxes are too high, then basically you have a job. You have a job and you don't want your money to be paying for other things. You don't want your money to be paid for, uh, you don't want, you, do, do we really, do we need to kick out, um, as it's happening in New York City, let's kick out homeless veterans out of the hotel and put, and, and put, illegal criminals who have come into this country illegally, hence the word illegal, into that hotel room. Somebody who is struggling, who has served their country with honor, who, who might have a PTSD issue, which basically is manifesting itself in an addiction of some sort, maybe, who is struggling because of these issues um, cannot function at, um, in, a, in, in society the way they would like and are homeless. Let's kick these people out of a hotel and put in people who are illegal who come here to gain our system and get stuff for free. Let's, let's kick honored veterans who have served their country with honor out of a hotel room and put in people who, who are from a country that basically there is no um, uh, totalitarian regimes in most countries. They're here as economic immigrants, which is not, repeat, not, for a third time for Democrats millennials, Gen Zers, and people in Yubilinda, California, not a legitimate cause for asylum. Okay? They are not being persecuted because of their religion. They are not being persecuted because of their political views. They are not being persecuted for their, for their beliefs. They are not being persecuted in any way, shape, or form. Okay? So, but they have been told, let's claim asylum, and then you'll be glad in the country. You don't, see, the, the abuse of the asylum system is really, is really a, an, a, an anger issue for me, okay? And this is costing our country, our citizens, our cities, billions and billions and billions of dollars. People are dying in the streets of, of El Paso, Texas, and Texas, Arizona, right? The, um, on, in, in the morning coffee review, um, this morning when I was watching uh, Marie, Mornings with Maria Bartoloma on Fox Business News, 
there was one of the women that was on there, and she was a uh, CEO of a company. I can't remember which one. And she was giving analysis. But they were talking about this illegal immigration and this drugs and the gotaways and the massive drug um, and fentanyl deaths and all these things. And she was saying, she has moved to Arizona, and she said there's this freeway part up there that they call it the, 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 the meth highway. Because of the massive, and this was back in the 90s. This was going on, right? There, th- th- and now it's 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 a hundred times worse. Okay, so you and with fentanyl, and they were talking about the, and so they were talking about the new, re- well, the new policy in New York, right? Is don't is don't uh, let's not punish and close the border and shut down the fentanyl coming into the country. Let's just give give everybody Narcan. Right? Well, here's the thing. Um, you, 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 Narcan, if you don't have it and take it within, like, seconds, you're going to, you, most likely you're going to die. Number one. Number two, they are cutting it they were talking about how how some of the cartels and these some of these fentanyl drugs are being cut with other drugs that Narcan has no effect on, so it doesn't work, and people are dying in the streets all across this country because of the Biden open border. And yes, it's open; it is not closed. The border is open. And how they're doing it is they basically are having a policy where they are coming into the country and 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 they are letting them in and releasing them with no future court date. A federal judge has shut that crap down, but they're still doing it. The Biden administration is in violation of a federal court order. They are committing a crime. Okay? They are committing a crime, and and that is the Biden criminal organization, the family criminal organization. And why does this have to do with taxes? People don't want their taxes paying for this crap. People who pay taxes, okay, the people who pay taxes, which is probably about the top 30% of income earners, are the only people that pay anything. Okay, over is like over sixty percent of the population pays no taxes, none. Okay, that's with with all of the earned income credits and the child tax credits and all these refund. There are people. I've I've been doing taxes. I have been doing taxes. I've been a licensed tax preparer since two thousand fifteen, and before that, I worked at the IRS for four years. Okay. So I have been in the tax industry myself since 2011. And before that, I worked, my, my father did taxes for almost 40 years. And I did bookkeeping um, for four years out of high school on 60 plus accounts. Everything from casinos to gun shops to bars and restaurants. Okay, and... So on a variety of different industries, okay, and insurance companies, everything, okay, these types of things. We had quarterly taxes. I, I helped with the, um, I, I worked helped and helped pr- prepare the the payroll taxes and all these things. So I worked in the in in that industry 
okay, for for many, 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 many years. I know about this stuff, okay? And th- there is people who receive basically very you, you can receive fifteen, twenty thousand dollars um in in government subsidies on a tax return and pay no taxes. You have no taxable income and you're getting a fifteen thousand dollar check. Yeah, I've done those tax returns. I've done those tax returns. I had I I, I did I had one client um Oh, another company did their taxes and he had to pay $2,000. And I looked at the tax return and I said, dude, they did this wrong. I redid his taxes on an amended return and got him $7,000 and no taxable income. All legal. All 100% legal. And And a lot of people are paying no taxes. The people who are paying taxes is a very small percentage of this country. A very small percentage pay all of the taxes from this country and that tiny small percentage of people have the are, is the group of people with the least amount of rights. With the least amount of rights and they are attacked on a regular basis. At some point when enough is enough. They say well they need to pay their fair share. Well of their income is a fair share. There are people living in New York, in New York City, who are paying 60% of their income in taxes. Federal, state, and local taxes. And there are people in New York who have a pretty nice living and are paying nothing nothing. And these people who are paying nothing are dictating the policies to the people who are paying for everything? Hell no. So, yeah, I think taxes are too high. Question two. Leftists in Congress and the media are claiming that Americans support higher taxes. Do you agree with the Heritage Foundation that will that with crushing inflation and economic uncertainty the left's tax hikes are disastrous for America's economy and unfair to taxpayers it's yes and why is it yes well this is where I, some of what i was saying earlier but i'm going to get into more of it here the the philosophical construct of of fairness is pretty much everybody the 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 constitution has an equal protection clause okay um the equal protection clause um one of the aspect is in the 14th amendment okay no state shall make or enforce any laws which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deny any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. Okay? 
Now, this concept, this equal protection of laws, has been applied to pretty in, in with court rulings pretty much to all laws, all regulations. They all have to be applied equally to everybody, and we know that that's not true. Hence the Durham report. Hence the Hillary scandal. Basically, this was all. Basically, the FBI is a corrupt agency. I don't. The FBI and the Department of Justice have no legitimacy in my mind. And um, yeah, see, but the equal protection that basically applies to taking by confiscating people's property and taxation. The progressive tax movement is in fact a violation of the Equal Protection Clause. Okay. But Congress does have the power to tax and to set tax policy. Now, the arguments for this have never been, there has never been a case brought up arguing that that somebody paying no tax at all and somebody paying every tax, paying this a massively high percentage to pay for the freeloaders. Yes, freeloaders. I am opposed to if you're gonna if you're going to give pretty much this is what I my viewpoint. If if person A has to pay nothing, then person B has to pay nothing. Right? So that's what should happen. So if person if if you are person A and there and you are person A and person A is in a category where per, the person A is, is is persons in category A um, pay nothing and persons in category B pay for everything. But the persons in category A outnumber persons in category B 500 to 1, okay? Now, the persons in category A in democracy, majority rules. Oh, we're just going to take all your money. Guess what? You can be more minority rights. That's why you have the Equal Protection Clause. Can't take it. No, not a zip zilch, no. But what would happen if the persons in category B pretty much just stopped paying for stuff? It's like, we're not paying for this. No, we're not paying for this. We're not paying for this. We're not paying for this. The persons in category B will basically need to be well-armed because the persons in category A will be sending thugs, will be sending people with guns, a.k.a also known as the FBI, the Treasury Department, with guns and to confiscate their property and to throw them in jail. Well, if my thinking is this, if the people in Category A don't start paying their fair share, then persons in Category B who pay for everything should basically stop paying for crap and see what happens. Interesting conceptual framework, is it not? Hmm, interesting. Now imagine this. Basically, 
you have so that's so that's 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 interesting interesting as we move on do you think businesses oh i skipped one i skipped one okay overall do you think that higher taxes are helping or hurting the us economy uh the choices are this i believe higher taxes will help our economy i think that tax increases will hurt the us economy not sure no opinion well, okay, if you have no knowledge of history and economic history, um, then I can understand why you're not sure. But the reality of the situation is this. Every time you increase taxes, government revenues goes down. That's an economic fact. Okay, you can go to the Bureau of Economic Statistics and you can pull up information by, by basically year and pick out any time period when you had a Republican administration where they were cutting taxes. And you look at the govern and you look at federal revenues to the treasury, income revenues to the treasury when you cut taxes. When you cut taxes, income revenues to the to the government increase. Don't look at spending. Okay? Don't look at spending. When you in when you cut taxes, the government revenues go up. That's an economic fact from proven by history. Okay? And you can check this out. Whenever you raise taxes, government revenues goes down. That is also an economic fact. And you can see it in, in plain sight in, the, in this country. That's what's so great about, about federalism. Look at the high-tax states versus the low-tax states or the no-tax states. The states that have no income tax are the most prosperous economic states. The states with high, high tax rates, such as New York and California, are the ones that are in the greatest amount of debt and their economies are in the toilet. Okay, and, and so that's playing itself out right now, live, 24-7, that we can see in the streets. Okay, but if you look at history and the federal tax codes and the tax and the federal income, you can see that whenever there is a raise in taxes, the federal revenues go down. Whenever there's a cut in taxes, federal revenues go up economic facts okay economic facts not your feelings I don't give a shit about your feelings and no one else should either the only person that should care about your feelings is your significant other and your parents and your pet nobody else should give a crap about your feelings Okay, your feelings are completely irrelevant to everybody else's life. Your feelings should not dictate policy and the effects of what other people have to pay. Because you feel sad. You feel it's unfair. I want to, know, I want to get paid and not work. Feelings mean nothing to nobody. Okay, moving on. Do you think businesses in California and across the country are less likely to rebound, expand, and create local jobs when there's a tax burden increase? <laughs> wow. 
Okay, do you think businesses in California and across the country are less likely to rebound, expand, and create local jobs when their tax <laughs> Yes, they are going to be less likely to expand, and we have proof of that. Let's look at, let's look at what happens when you have a massive exodus from your state, shall we? Uh, California has lost, um, I think it was like 10 million people in the past a few, several years, enough to where we actually lost a seat in the House of Representatives. <laughs> and so has New York. Oh, I think they lost like two seats in the last census. And the things, things are only going to get worse in the next census if things keep up. If the Democrats do not change their policies in California, they in the next census, they will lose even more seats in the House of Representatives. And the thing is, is that the, and they're not going to change their policies. Why? Is because as who is the people leaving state, the state of California? They are the conservatives, the business people, the people that have money, the pe wealthy, the the people that are semi wealthy, the well the well to do um, upper middle class, and the the middle class that can afford to relocate. Um, as this inflation rate increases and the interest rates are going up, there's a lot of people. The relocations have gone down because the people have mortgages that are paying 3%, they don't want to refinance at a 5 at a, over a 5% mortgage, right? So they're not selling their houses to relocate. Well, here's the thing is California the the taxes the prices are massively high, right? Um, the houses in my dad's neighborhood are pretty much around 390 to 420 um Three hundred ninety thousand to four hundred twenty thousand dollars for basically a three bedroom, two bath house, right? That's around between basically twelve hundred and fourteen hundred square feet, okay? Um, thereabouts. Um, so imagine. Now here's the thing. That's here in Clovis, California, okay? Now if you were if you had good equity in that house. Right. If you've had that house for you've got a thirty year mortgage and you and you've been paying it a little maybe a little extra and you've had it for fifteen years, right, or twenty years, so you have good equity in that house. Right? And your and your mortgage rate is at three percent, okay? Now you could sell your house. Say you own, say you have a uh say you ha you you got your house Say you bought it at $300,000, right? Got a 30-year mortgage. Um, say about 10 years ago, you have, you have maybe, you've, maybe 15 years ago, um, so basically you've paid off half the mortgage, right? So you have pretty much more equity in the house. You probably maybe have $150,000 in equity from when you bought it, right? Equity in the house. So, but you sell it for four hundred thousand dollars, you and you have a hundred and fifty thousand left to pay on the mortgage, right? So you're going, you're going there with like two hundred. You're you're going there with two hundred fifty thousand dollars cash to another state that has a much lower cost of living. 
In fact, I have seen, because I'm planning, to, I am in the process, I am, hopefully, dear Lord Jesus, let this happen, I hope to be relocating out of California within two years. Okay? But here's the thing. So I've researched prices, and the state I'm planning to go to is the lowest cost of living state in the country, which is Arkansas. I have seen houses that were pretty much the same size as my dad's house, um, with pretty much they weren't as as um, have the high end finishes that my dad's house has, but they were livable, they were functional, um, and for under ninety thousand dollars. I I found one. It was oh, it was ninety three thousand dollars. Ninety three thousand dollars for a three bedroom, two bath house in Arkansas, right? On a lot three times the size of my dad's lot. It was you have some. It was like it was like it was like a three acre lot. Okay, it was big. And and it was. And it had, you know, you can go there. You can go there and you can you can put it in. One thing about Arkansas is you can take, like, you could just put up solar panels on racks. Okay? You can't do, you, you, it's very hard to do that here. And, you know, in residential areas, you, like you cover your backyard with racks of solar panels. You could do that in Arkansas. You could take a big old... Pretty much, you know, a like, you know, a, like a like a quarter acre, and just put a solar farm there, right? And solar panels on your house, and 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 have solar power to the grid and get paid for it, right? There are people that are doing that. I I, I knew I was in 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 my accounting class, in one of my accounting classes at City College. There was a guy. He showed me the bill. He had. He has every inch of his house, of his roof, and even his patio cover, covered in solar panels. Okay, he gets a check from from the PG&E that pays his mortgage, and his property tax, and his homeowner's insurance. Every month, he lives in his house completely, one hundred percent for free. And has no PG&E bill, no no utilities bill at all, none. Except in winter when he runs his heater because it's a natural gas heater, okay, and he has a gas stove. But besides the very limited natural gas, he lives in his house for free, and that covers, and so so there are people that are doing that. Okay, and the government is trying to stop that. They want you to go green. Well, he went green, but and he's making it. He's living in his house for free, and there's like, uh, we don't want you to pay that. We don't want you. We want you to go green, but we don't want to pay you for it. Like, well, I'm, I'm, he's providing electricity to the grid. He's providing a service. That service needs to be re, re, recompensed. If not, he could just cut the crap off. See, this is what they, oh, we're going to cut, see, in California they're doing this. They want to cut the payments to people for providing electricity to the grid. It's like, okay, shut the grid off. I'm not going to supply power to the grid if I don't get paid for it. 
because the power I'm providing to the grid is is off of things that I've had to pay for. So that's my return on my investment. It's a business. And but liberals don't want don't understand business. They have no understanding, no conceptual framework, no philosophical construct of understanding of business. Because dumbass is to Democrats as air is to breathing. I'm going to move on because I'm going to get. I'm not going to get through all of these. <laughs> wow. Okay, I want to get to this. So the next question, with a dishonest with. <laughs> With the dishonesty named Inflation Reduction Act, the Biden White House raised taxes by nearly $570 billion to expand big government, including $80 billion for the IRS to hire 87,000 new agents, armed 87,000 armed new agents. As a result, taxes in families make below $200,000 are set to inc- are set to increase by 16.7 billion dollars annually and inflation keeps rising do you believe this is the wrong direction for a country yes now as as stated before when you raise taxes revenues go down right when revenues go down and spending increases, deficits go up. Okay, um, so that's that's one issue. The other issue is it's fundamentally unfair to to tax one group over another at such a high rate. Number one, number two, this eighty-seven thousand these to get the ta- the rich tax business tax cheats those rich people who aren't paying their fair share that's who these people are targeting they're targeting business owners okay here's the thing i worked in the irs i worked there for four tax seasons i did the data transcribing part of the irs where people would send in their tax returns i can tell you for a fact that the tax cheats are not the business owners the tax cheats are the basically the massive earned income and child tax credit fraud cases. That's where the fraud is, right? That, that is where massive fraud exists. And uh, when I would work there, I, there were numerous, t- numerous times I would complain. I, the first time I had, one, um, see, they would have batches of tax returns in 100. So one batch was 100 tax returns. So what you do is you're, 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 do, you're doing data entry. You're inputting tax returns that people would mail in. So you would go there and you would get one batch of tax returns. That would be 100 tax returns. Okay. Now, this batch that I got, it was 100 tax returns. And I noticed after about the third or fourth one, they all have the same address. And they were all done by the same tax preparer. All of the tax returns were married, three kids, with the income all pretty much relatively the same, all at the ma- within the with within the range at max earned income credit, max child tax credit. Okay. And so the maximum refunds. Okay. And the um, 
and the federal withholding was always 5 to 10% higher than normal, okay? So the refunds were massive, okay? And, and I'm sitting here going, these are all fraudulent returns. All of them are fraudulent returns. I went them, I, I took them to the, I took them to, on the, it's like, duh, you know, you don't have 100 families of three people living in the same building, in the same apartment. You don't have that, okay, with the same mailing address. You don't have 103, you don't have 105 person families having the same mailing address, okay, as their residence. That does not happen in reality. Okay, so so then I I took them to my supervisor. These are all fake. These are all fraudulent returns right here. What do you do with them? She goes, input them anyway. The system will catch it. Well, it doesn't catch it because every year this country pays out in earned income credit, child tax credit, additional child tax credit, the the, the educational credits. All of these non-refundable credits, that fraud is f over $450 billion, with a B, dollars every year in fraud payouts. That's where the tax cheat is. So these, these 87,000, see here's the thing, they have enough, they have enough agents within the federal treasury in the IRS right now, they can assign each billionaire in the country their own agent right now. They don't need an 87,000 of those, more of those. We're just going after billionaires. No, you're not. These 87,000s are to cover small businesses, medium-sized business, family-owned businesses. That's who they're targeting. They're targeting the people with the home office deduction. They're targeting people that are, that are trying to... To, to have, they have a side business, okay? They have a job, they're making $35,000 a year in their job, and they have a part-time side business. These are the people they're targeting with these 87,000 armed IRS agents. That, and these people that are doing this are very careful about their tax returns. They're my clients. I've had clients that have home, and I tell them, you have to have is this office separate? Is this? And I go through the regulations with them in great detail. Okay? We are very careful making sure that we cover all the bases and everything is 100% above board and legal. And this is where tax repairers do this. When you have licensed tax repairers who basically act as fiduciaries to these clients, because they're clients, they're they're basically they are to inform their clients. You, if you do this, it's illegal. You can't do this. That's their responsibility. I've had clients is like they like you can't claim this. You cannot claim this. I've had I've had that conversation with people in the past, right? And I says you need to in order to claim this, you need to have. Um, logs about this because they wanted to claim their mileage. And I says, well, you don't have a mileage log. So you can't do that this year. Here's Go buy a mileage log. I even bought a mileage log for one of my clients. I handed it this, this mileage log book to my client and I says, every day when you are at your office, when you're going on your sales routes, 
write down the mileage from your office. Because that's where you leave to go to your sales route. Because you go from your home to your office. And then from your office, you go on your sales route. She went on her sales, her, her, her driving around to clients from the office. So you have to do the mileage from the office, not from the home. Because from the home to the office is not deductible. But from the office to all the different locations and back to the office or even back to the home, that's all deductible, okay? That's deductible mileage. So I had her keep track of that. And that next year we were able to take a mileage deduction off of her Schedule C. But we couldn't do it the year prior because she didn't have the book. And there was like, she told me, it's like, well, the person that they did it last year just made up numbers. And I said, I don't do that. And if you were get audited, you would, you know, this was several years ago. So it's, so that person is, you know, um, actually that person's now retired. But see, the thing is, is that you can't make stuff up. You have to have the documentation. Right? I can tell you right now that these people, that these 87,000 people are targeting these business owners, these billionaires, they are going to lose every single one of those audits. Because those billionaires and those massively large business owners, they have an entire law for, tax law firm that prepares their taxes. They'll win against basically an investigation. They'll win. And it's just wasting, flushing money down the toilet. What, who's going to hurt from this are basically, they're going to come up with like all these things and all these people are going to come up on charges. So these business owners are going to have to hire tax attorneys. They're, and they'll win if they, were doing, if, they, if they were honest and above board in what they did. They will win the audit, but it will be a massive economic cost to them to defend from something, from a useless prosecution. When they need to go after these people that are committing the crimes. Because I'm telling you right now, those people, th there, was, there was this one woman who, who um, she, she would work, she would drop off stuff as a route who was basically um, putting stuff in the Walmart store, right? She would tell me about someone, her family member, uh, I don't know if it was a sister or cousin. She was very um, elusive about the relationship, but it was she very made it clear that it was not her, <laughs> and about how this person basically went and got um, uh, death certificates for um, babies that were stillborn that were born at birth, right? And she would get those birth certificates, and she got took those birth certificates to the Social Security Administration got Social Security numbers for them and then uh, claimed them as her children and for earned income credit and child tax credit and daycare and all this stuff. And she basically, her job was forging documents, right? Forged W-2s, submitted paperwork, creating jobs that she didn't have, uh, creating uh, withholding that she didn't pay, um, you know, and she said all these things, all these things, right? And um, 
that would send in. I mean, this was this is what was happening, and th- getting refunds and refunds. That's how that she gained the system. Basically, committing document fraud and massive fraud. And I'm saying this person's going to go to jail pretty much forever if she gets caught. And I says, yeah, that's what basically every member of the family basically shuns this person because they don't want anything to do with that person because they don't want to be guilt guilt by association around it, right? He's like, yeah, this is, and but see that that and that person's been doing it for years and nothing, nothing, because the IRS doesn't give a crap about earned income credit fraud. They're happy. They're willing at the IRS. It's like they're just people trying to get by. There's a there's an organization within the IRS who's basically it's a department in the IRS in Fresno who's basically they work to get earned income credit, child tax credit, these non-refundable credits to illegal aliens. And I've pointed out that's a crime and that's against federal law. You're committing a crime and that basically was I was basically the 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 the, the union threatened me. I've been threatened by unions before. I get death threats from unions. I've done it. The teachers' union threatened to kill me twice. Um, my car was vandalized. A teamster attacked me um, with a two by four. Oh yeah, unions have come after me. You know, but I keep going. Keep on. Keep going the fight. The federal government has faced massive deficits year after year, despite taking more and more of the taxpayers' money. And the nation debt has surged to over $300 trillion. Do you agree that out-of-control spending, not too low taxes, <laughs> is the reason for America's fiscal crisis? Yes. The issue is there are many things about deficit spending. Okay? Um... Governments, government have policies that bring in revenue. They have roles. They have taxes. There's all these things that bring in money to the federal government. Okay? And when you spend more than you bring in, that's deficit spending for the year. The deficit. The deficits add to the debt. Okay? The debt is all of... A deficit is one year. The debt is total of that we owe outstanding total aggregate okay so if you were to decrease if you had zero deficit spending okay the money you have coming in is the money that goes out zero deficit spending the debt would would still increase but only as the inflation of it of only with inflation Right, because you're paying the inflation, and you're paying you're basically paying the inflation of the debt, but the debt would still be going up. Okay, now how do you pay off the debt? <laughs> basically, what you have to do in order to pay off a debt is pretty much like you have to. How do you pay off a credit card? Okay, what or or a student loan? Okay, you have interest, and then you have to pay the principal. The more you pay, so say your your interest your interest payment for the month was a thousand dollars, but you wanted to pay off the debt, so you paid a thousand dollars for your interest payment. Your monthly payment was a thousand dollars. You paid a thousand dollars, 
you paid an additional $500 to the principal. Okay, so that $500 lowers your the principal that you owe. The amount you owe goes down by $500. See? So then if you did that over time, you would pay off the amount that you were the, the amount that you owed would decrease if you didn't add any more debt. Okay? So imagine this, if we had if we had 25 years of zero deficit spending, so we're not adding to the debt for 25 years, okay? And we increase our payments, okay? We're paying the, all the interest payments, and we're paying a, taking an additional 20% of that payment, an additional 20% of the interest. So we're pay, say we're paying... Um, I don't know, call it $100 million a year on interest payments, okay? We have zero, and, and that is included in our zero deficit spending. And, we, and, and also within that zero deficit spending, we budgeted an additional um, $75 billion a year to the debt, okay? So basically... In our spending, okay, we are reducing, let's look at this up, we're $75 billion times 25 years. We are paying um, $1,875,000,000,000, $1,875,000,000,000, or $1.875,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000
by cutting the taxes on it, you would have massive spurring of business. You would have people opening up uh, bedding houses. You would have people opening up uh, basically um, uh, um, off OT OT off off track bedding facilities. All of these things that you would have, you'd have cafes where they had TVs and people could bet on horses. You would have all these new businesses spurring up all over the country, right? Spurring up all over the country, generating business, generating revenues, generating local tax dollars, generating all these things. But all federal taxes of that, of the gambling tax, would go to pay off the debt. And you had zero deficit spending during that time. Balanced budgets, where the interest and the where the payment to the debt was not included in that extra in that extra gambling tax, you would actually start to see the debt go down. Okay, I'm 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 going a little over here. I'm going to finish. I have I have two more, three more questions. Um, and I'm going to finish this of the next episode of the Tea Party. I didn't get to anything I wanted to cover today. That's the way it goes sometimes. So, uh, so check out the next Tea Party Policy Chat where we will have uh, t- we will have in next week's episode. We will have Take Five from the National Review. We will have um, and videos from. The Durham report, one was from Megan Kelly um, on Sky News, and the other one is um, about Hunter's laptop and a whistleblower about the about being targeted, the re, the retaliatory actions in the in the IRS probe against the whistleblower, the, which is an illegal act, and that is also from Sky News Australia. So um, we have to get information from other sources. Um, to get quality news. So there you go. That's going to be covering in the next episode. So thank you. God bless. Thank you. And goodbye.